Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, women's empowerment coach and motivational speaker, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics relevant to women today. I'd love to continue to support you on your life's journey. Please join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in today and enjoy the show. Hey guys, today I'm here with Amy. Amy E. Smith is a certified confidence coach, masterful speaker, and personal empowerment expert. Founder of thejoyjunkie.com, Amy uses her roles as coach, writer, podcaster, and speaker to move individuals to a place of radical personal empowerment and self-love. With acute focus on helping people find their voice, she is highly sought after for her common style of irreverence, uh, wisdom, and humor, and has been featured the feature expert on Fox 5, San Diego, and YourTango.com. What is YourTango.com? I've never heard uh, of that before. Uh, it's like an online publication um, oh. and uh, advice-giving site. Lots of therapists are a part of it. Awesome. Well, I'm going to school to be a therapist, so there you nice. go. Yes. Someday, you know, six years from now when I'm done my PhD, I'll actually be able to do that. <laughs> That's right. Yes, the perpetual student. Yes. Hi, Megan. Hi, how are you? I'm I'm fan-fucking-tastic, and I'm just excited to hang out with you and chat. I'm excited to hang out with you, too. The interwebs have brought us together, so that makes me happy. Uh, I loved it when I saw the title, thejoyjunkie.com, when you applied. I was like, oh, yes, I like this. Let's do this. Oh, good. good. So, start with, tell us how what brought you to where you are today. That's a, a hella bio, and people are probably listening like, that's great, Amy, but... Um, yeah. What struggles have you had? How did you become the person you are today? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's like so many hours of things to say. Let's bottom line it as best as possible. Well, you know, prior to getting involved in personal development, I worked in a prestige makeup brand. I was a corporate trainer and traveled and, you know, had what I like to call the big girl job at a very early age at like 22, 23. I was, you know, had this huge region that I was training. I had an assistant, I had a company car, I was traveling all over the place and, and kind of dying a slow death. And (laughs) that, that really was kind of the impetus for me to get involved into personal development and to look at, okay, if I'm checking off all these boxes of career and I'm climbing this ladder and I have this trajectory, why the hell am I not happy? Mm. Why are my relationships not stronger? Like what about this formula that I've been taught that's going to get me ahead. Why does this feel so shitty? And why am I still waking up unhappy and also mean to myself, like just not even enjoying who I was. So I would be around people who were higher up and instead of being motivated, like, oh, if they can do it, I can do it and look at what's possible. I would immediately go to that negative inner critic, compare and despair. You're never smart enough, good enough, et cetera. So I jumped into the personal development bandwagon. This was ages ago. This was a good 10 years ago, um, actually probably closer to 13. I started training and learning about personal development, learning about my own life. And that is not what I expected. I thought I would go to coaching school and I would learn how to help everybody else. And I could just not worry about my own shit and I'll just be the savior. And holy shit, did I get cracked open. And so that season of my life, kind of in the mid 2000s, I kind of went, oh my God, there's another way 
to live. There's another way to operate that I had no idea existed. So I build the coaching business. I do all of the things. And I, I had this moment that really changed what I teach about and kind of my niche, right? Like what I really do. And one of the things that really changed that for me was the, the loss of my father in 07. Okay. So a little bit of context about that. My, I grew up in an extremely conservative, born-again Christian family. Um, we were just which, having this conversation. <laughs> I know you know a thing or two about that. I know you know a thing or two about the guilt and the fear that many people experience with a strict dogmatic religious upbringing. Not everybody. And I will say this too, and I listened to your episode specifically about this, and I was like, oh, I totally get this. Um, it really, it, it became this place where I went, okay, there can actually be Christians that are different than what I grew up with. So yes. that's just like kind of a side note. I really associated a faith in God with exactly how I grew up, which mm -hmm. is totally incongruous compared to a lot of what I've been privy to. So uh, as I've been told, the church is having a, a revolution. So at whatever you want to believe, knock yourself out. So let's go back. So I grew up in this really conservative Christian family, um, lots, lots of dogma, lots of guilt and fear. However, my father was a really incredible human, like just a really unbelievably beautiful, pure soul. I felt like he, I mean, he had studied Hebrew. He obviously, he had a master's in divinity, a doctorate in wow. ministry. Like the man wasn't fucking around. Mm -hmm. And I felt as though he had gathered all that information and still chose to be Christ-like, you know, like actually chose to be what it should be, right? Like really right. generous and loving and kind. So the day and of loving all people, loving all people, Jesus what? loved prostitutes. I mean, come on. Immigrants. Immigrants. Right. All the peoples. <laughs> all of them, all of the different colors, all of it. Yes, of course. Able-bodied, not able-bodied, all of it. And prefers to hang out with them too, by the way. Right. Anyway, um, which I get it, man. This There's is his tribe. His exactly. tribe of people that were not like perfect. Exactly. So as I mentioned, I had a makeup artistry background. So my father passes away in 07 and I decided that I was going to do his makeup for his viewing. Mortuary makeup is a very different thing to get your head around compared to just, you know, dolling somebody up for the Emmys or something. Right. So, you know, that was a huge process for me. And I also spoke and I spoke to a crowd of a couple of hundreds, uh, totally in my own grief, incredibly upset, obviously tons of people praying for me and, you know, really let me lay hands on you. Let me do these things. So it was also me kind of brushing up against what I didn't believe in any longer and, and kind of feeling as though I had to put up this fake front, this facade of like, oh, I have to pretend I believe in this. And then it kind of hits its crescendo. I get home to my mom's house and she tells me, she says, you know, mind you, I just put makeup on my dead dad and I just spoke to this huge crowd and I'm also grieving and I'm around a bunch of people who I don't believe in the same thing. And my mom decides to tell me, oh, this is a perfect time to tell her that I feel like we failed as parents. I feel like your father and I failed as parents because you are not walking with the Lord. Oh. 
And so I was like, wow, okay, because I'm the kid who's been working since I was 14 years old, you know, put myself through college, got married when I was 20, moved away, haven't been a burden. My two younger brothers both have done jail time, have had some really major issues with the law, never went to school, like just the quintessential good kid versus the bad kids, right? Right. However, I was lumped into that category simply because I wasn't in the faith any longer. So the only thing that I could kind of muster in that moment is I said, you probably shouldn't say that to a child. Right. And she was like, well, that's just how I feel. And that was the moment when I kind of went, okay, not every single time when you decide to take a stand for yourself, does it become an ultimatum with other people in your world? Mm -hmm. However, there are times when it does. And that made me realize in that moment, I either choose making her happy under a totally different set of criterion than what makes me happy, or I choose me. And this is what it looks like when... uh, you're coming out of the closet, right? Or you are express and coming out of the closet, sexuality wise, gender wise, but then also political views wise, religious views wise coming out in the sense of, I'm no longer going to allow my silence to make me a liar. Mm -hmm. That's what I had done. I had allowed my silence to make me a liar and I would prep my husband. I'd be like, please don't talk about John Stewart. Don't talk about South Park. Don't talk about gay rights. Please don't cuss. Don't you, you know, like it was all these things that I would say. So you're like making him not himself either. Wear a mask. Everybody wear a mask, right? And that was the breaking point where I kind of went, there is this catastrophic cost Mm -hmm. to keeping that mask on. And what is that? That is my happiness. That is my happiness. So then what happened directly following that was I was like, oh, I can speak up for myself. And then I just became a raging bitch. Like I really became extremely combative and I wanted to argue and I wanted to talk about astrology and I wanted to talk about Buddhism and I wanted to talk about abortion rights and I wanted to fight. I was ready to fight. I, yeah. And what that really was, was me, you know, up brushing up against my anger, anger that I needed to work through, anger that... I needed to really process that I ended up doing. And then after a while of that being really shitty, I kind of realized, oh, I can actually speak up for myself with the utmost grace and kindness. Yes. I can actually decline a client and say, I'm not going to be a fit for you. And I can do that without being a dick. I can tell, uh, I can tell a a neighbor that, no, I'm not going to be able to make it to their function without making up some lame ass lie. Mm -hmm. I can tell my mom to please stop inviting me to church because I actually find that highly offensive and it's okay if she doesn't, but I'm going to ask that she just, um, has some reciprocal respect and I can deliver it in that way. And, you know, that was mind blowing for me because I felt as though many people do is if I speak up, if I establish a boundary, if I give voice to something, if I even say what's offensive to me and what's not, that must mean I'm an asshole. That must mean I'm such a dick. And you know, that really was when everything kind of unfolded for me. And I realized every single time I choose not to give voice to something or I choose to silence myself is the minute that I am sending that message to my subconscious that everybody else's wants, opinions, and needs are more important than mine. Hallelujah. 
So just shut the fuck up and make everybody else happy, which equals what? It equals unhappy, right? Like when we say, what do you want in life? People say, oh, I want a home and I want this career and I want this many kids. I want this soulmate. Why? Because it's what we think will make us happy. And Mm -hmm. so then you do what I did. You check off the boxes. You have this amazing career. You have a phenomenal husband. You have this great place to live. And and then you're still like, what is happening, right? If you really want to get to that happiness place, you've got to change that relationship internally. You know, I mean, obviously you know that. Yes. I love this. <laughs> this is what freedom sounds like, people. Oh. A lot of people are like, why should I set boundaries? Because I mean, I love bound- boundaries. I work with people with time management boundaries and self-care are my three biggest things I work with my clients on. And I'm like, uh, because if you're stressed out, overwhelmed, uh, angry, resentful, chances are it revolves around boundaries. Like chances are it revolves around boundaries. Your boundaries are too loose. Your boundaries are too strict. You're not speaking up. You're not setting boundaries or allowing people to blow right through your boundaries. Like, come on guys, if you want happiness, it doesn't matter. Like you said, Amy, what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you live in. You know, if you check all the boxes and you're still not happy, that's because something's going wrong here. Like there's something going, there's so much freedom in being able to say, uh, I just got back right before we're talking, people won't hear this for a couple of weeks. Just got back from spending time with my family. We evacuated for hurricane Florence. Oh, Nothing hit here. Thank goodness. But my thoughts are with everybody in North Carolina who is, who have gone through a lot in my mom out of control, normal, normal out of control. My grandmother was like, but Megan, she's got like this disease and blah, blah. And I was like, that might be the reason she's acting this way. That's not an excuse. She needs to know she's being an asshole and it's not okay for her to talk like this. Mm -hmm. My mom, of course, can't handle that and lost her stack. But the way I look at it is like to, for me to be able to say to my mom, like you're out of control and this is inappropriate. That was freedom because Megan five years ago would have just like quietly cried in a room somewhere and been like, Oh my God. Make it about you. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, I drove out of that place this week. I feel great. Like I feel great. I'm like, I don't regret saying any of that stuff. I feel awesome. That is what boundaries look like. Yes. To other people, it might come off that you're being an asshole. You're not being an asshole. You're just saying, I'm not afraid of this shit anymore. That's right. Like, yeah. And you're 100% in control of your delivery that mm -hmm. whole time. So what, something that, that you mentioned with, with what you were talking about with your family is, is how somebody, okay. So let's say somebody is a total dick and like that situation. And let's say it's, let's say it's your aunt and they had a really horrible upbringing. They're going through a really rough time. And so they tend to take it out on everybody else. Is it understandable? Yes. It's totally understandable. Is it acceptable? No. No. If you find out that your husband totally just cheated on you and got, you know, in the neighbor down the way pregnant or whatever, do you have every right to be furious? Of course. Do you want to burn all his clothes? Do you want to cut his dick off? Like, yes, of course. However, is that acceptable? No, it's understandable. It's not yes. acceptable. And I always- that, 
Yeah. That's a big distinction though, because I think we go, Oh, but my mom's had it so rough or, Oh, but my, my coworker is just, she's going through a really rough time. So we go, Oh, my comfort probably doesn't matter. No, I always say there, there's a difference between a reason and excuse. There's a reason for people's behavior, but that does not excuse what they did. Like, so I'm a survivor of domestic abuse. And looking back now, and I've done all this healing. I mean, I've been out of that relationship for over eight years now. Looking back, I can see he was brought up in a a very abusive household. His mom and him and his brother were screamed at, you know, hit or threatened. So understandably, that was what he viewed. He had a lot of hurt. So what happens? He starts doing drugs and drinking, takes that hurt out on the person that he is in a relationship with, and the cycle continues. I can see that now and empathize with him and have compassion and say, I am so sorry for you, but that does not mean I'm going to say it's okay for you to treat people like that. No, absolutely not. That's right. And that's why we take, we take certain situations like, oh, it'll really, it, it, it will destroy my, you know, partner if they really know how I felt about what's happening in our sex life. So I better just not say anything, right? Because we think that speaking up, if anybody else may have some sort of reaction that is actually their responsibility, if they're going to experience any kind of pain, we think I'm inflicting that on them. So that must mean I can't speak up or else I'm inflicting pain. I'm inflicting uh, some sort of ill will towards this person instead of shifting your perspective around it, which is, no, I'm just taking a stand for my own value, mm-hmm. right? So remember, it's so easy because our society tells us don't open a can of worms, don't rock the boat, better sweep it under the rug. We have all these fucking phrases to say to encourage us that it's no big deal to stay quiet. Now, I'm also not saying that you run your mouth on every situation or anything like that. I operate under kind of one guiding principle. Is my silence making me a liar? Mm. If, if somebody is asking you to stay late and you don't want to work that late, or you know if you work that late that it's going to severely fuck up your home situation with the kids or with your spouse or whatever, and you are just like, oh, I don't have a choice. You do have a choice. Right. You've chosen to acquiesce. And so what you have to understand is when you say yes to everybody else, it's likely that you're saying no to something it, 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 by just sheer physics. You are saying no to something else happening with you. A lot of times that on a cellular level is actually your, your subconscious mind. It's what you really believe about what you are deserving of. So we have to really unpack this idea that we are inflicting pain on somebody else just because we're standing up for something. So for instance, I had told my mom, um, you know, very clearly about how I feel about the religion that I was raised in. Now, do I have to beat a dead horse and, you know, tell her all the things that are really shitty? No, of course not. I don't want to do something that will, that is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Of course not. But I'm not going to pretend for one second that I'm not offended by that. If, you know, so I'm going to request what I need in a really calm, quiet, you know, but assertive manner and let it go and let her unhappiness about that be hers to carry because she will be upset by that. You know, some of your friends or family will be upset 
when you put boundaries into place. But what we read that as is, holy shit, somebody's pissed. Somebody's upset. Better people, please. Better take it back. I must be wrong. So the antidote to that is being so much more solid and concrete about who you are, that what you want, what your thoughts, opinions, and needs are valid already. So that's a lot of kind of what I do is that internal piece to really believe that that's true in order to move to a place where you actually will set up a boundary. Because there's a guaranteed there's people out there who are, you're, if you're not operating from a place where you genuinely love who you are or where you are speaking kindly to yourself, good luck establishing a boundary. Right. You know what I mean? Like you have to have that internal piece of, no, it matters what I want to say. It matters that I'm offended. It matters that I need time to decompress and I can't help you move this weekend. No matter how shitty that is. You know what I mean? So and what people aren't seeing, it's it's really not shitty. And by setting boundaries with other people, you're also giving them permission to set them with you. You know, I've spoken to you know some of my friends before and been really honest and straightforward about canceling plans. And they're like, I wanted to cancel plans too, but I was afraid you'd be upset. And I was like, I'm your friend. If you think I'm going to be upset by canceling plans, what kind of friend am I? And they're like, well, it's not really you. I was worried, you know, and I was like, but it's, it's important. If you don't want to do something, you're going to show up as a half rated version of yourself when we're hanging out. And I prefer to have the full rated version of you versus like this half rated, maybe sad, um, you know, unless you really need that. Cause sometimes when I'm depressed, I need to talk to somebody, but if you're showing, if you're wanting to cancel plans, you're not going to show up as your full self. You're going to show up as your half self. And, and how is that fair to anybody? It's not fair to you because you're going there. You don't want to be there. And it's not fair to the people around you because now they're just, they're not getting you. They're just getting this part of you that they don't really want there either. <laughs> right. It's, it really, it's so funny. I, uh, do you know who Brooke Castillo is? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So she has a quote that I love where she says, people pleasers are fucking liars. Mm. And you think about that. You think about what you just shared, the friend who doesn't want to go, but what did they do? They lied. Yep. And we think it's so noble. It's so valiant to put everybody in front of ourselves. But one thing that I will always say is constantly putting people in front of yourself is poison disguised as nobility. Mm. We think it's noble. We think it's honorable, but what we're being is inauthentic. We're lying. We're not in integrity. We're putting up a facade. And I would also guess that you probably don't want to attract people like that into your world. Do you want to attract friends who just make up an excuse why they can't come to your party? Or do you want people who are like, listen, man, I am so stressed out. I have got to have some downtime who are show who show up and they're authentic with you and they're transparent with you. That being said, I know it can be really easy to hear people like you and I who've done a shit ton of work over many, many years and go, oh, it's easy for you. I need you to understand that that was not me. This stance, those, you know, and you I even took said. baby steps, man. <laughs> totally. So please be compassionate with yourself. The idea that you are just becoming aware, just entering this idea that, oh my God, every time I do that, I'm a liar. Or every time I do that, I'm sending a message to myself that I don't matter. Just entertaining that concept is, is headway. All right. I'm not asking you to have like a huge come to Jesus with your family or your partner or whoever, or maybe not come to Jesus, maybe come to somebody else. Who knows? Yeah. But, you know, I'm not saying that. 
I'm, what I'm hoping you see is what's possible on the other side if you condition that behavior over and over again. If you start really telling yourself that you're valuable and that your voice matters. Um, that it is, you know, it becomes second nature. You condition a new way of operating. I couldn't agree more. And I think this is one of the most, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, I think psychology is a pseudoscience. I'm like, why do you say that? Like a therapy's changed my life. What are you talking about? And they're like, but a lot of people, they just go to the therapist and they talk about their problems, but they never change their environment. So they continue to have the same problems. I'm like, I completely agree. And a good therapist would point that out to you that, you know, you're in a toxic environment. So what people don't understand is you can continue to say all day long, you know, I'm stressed out. I'm overwhelmed. I'm so angry. I'm having all these relationship problems or I can't make friends or like my family sucks. But if you don't take action to actually change what's going on, whether it's to completely remove yourself from the situation, which is the extreme version of boundaries. You know, sometimes you yep. got to remove yourself from the situation, but sometimes it's simply saying your behavior right now is inappropriate. And I feel hurt by what you're saying, mm -hmm. you know, and some people will say, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that. And some people aren't going to respect that. And then you have to make the choice. Do you know, do I stay or do I go that sort yep. of thing? But the thing people are, are overlooking is, you can't just sit here and bitch all day long that all this stuff's going wrong because it's not going to fix anything unless you actually take action. That's right. That's right. I have a, I have a analogy that I use all the time on, on actually on my podcast that I do where I talk about like you can read books on Pilates nonstop. You can have every understanding of what's happening in the body and the body mechanics and how to get a rock and six pack, but none of that shit's going to happen unless you hit the mat, mm. unless you get down on the mat. So what does that mean, right? Like we, I think there is a lot that, that gets kind of spoken about that. Like you need boundaries and you need to love yourself. And people are like, how, right? you know, how? And that's also one of those things that I can't, it's not like, oh, just listen to a podcast or two and everything will change. That's why I'm such a huge advocate for continuity and accountability in some way, whether that's working with a coach, therapist, group programs where you're part of like a mastermind or other people are checking it. You have to have a space to continue to work on this stuff every, every single week. And then you have to be on top of your daily practices, what you're doing, what you're feeding your mind. But if we really go back to this whole concept around boundaries and, um, how? How do I establish a boundary? The first thing that I would throw out to people is to start asking yourself, what do I complain about the most? Mm -hmm. What do I complain about the most? Because it's likely that the shit that we complain about, most of the time we want sympathy. We want somebody to go, poor baby, it's going to get better. Most of the time, that's not what happens. They just try to fix it. And then you get more angry. But that's so that's what you really have to do is figure out, are there things that and most of the time people don't even know they're doing this, but where they come home and they talk about all the shitty things that are happening with so-and-so at work, or they are always bitching and moaning about a specific friendship, yet they tell everybody else except the friend, or you're pissed about something your husband's doing and you tell everybody else, even including the therapist and the coach, but you don't tell that one person. Mm -hmm. So that's the first place to figure out where do I even need to establish a boundary? So that's the first thing to ask yourself. What do I constantly complain about where I have done nothing? I haven't really taken an action or 
the depth of how important this is to me or how pissed I am would be a total shock to the other person because I've been kind of selling. It's been simmering underneath the the skin forever. (laughs) Or you've been selling a different facade. You've been like, it's it's okay. It's fine. I'm all right. No, I'll let you know if it's it. You know, you've been selling false goods. Mm -hmm. So if they would not know how big of a deal this is to you, how much, how frustrated you are, the pain that it causes, then that's on you. That's the first step. Then we move into what is the boundary? You got to decide on the boundary. What, what is it? What exactly are you asking for? Then you deliver it and then you enforce it. Those are sort of the steps, right? You decide on the boundary, you deliver the boundary, and then you enforce the boundary. And, you know, I go into a lot more into depth with that in the programs that I, you know, do with my clients, but there's processes as part of that, right? Like you can't just go in and establish a boundary guns blazing because it's likely people are going to shut you down, right? Like if you go in defensive, you're probably going to get met with a lot of defense. Uh, And then in your delivery, are you saying things like, um, Hey, I, to your in-laws, let's say like, I really wish you would respect how we, how we want to feed our children and, and, you know, not feed them a bunch of, of crappy food. Right. What does that mean to them? Like, they don't know. You have to really specify that boundary. Here is my request. It is my request that you only feed them the lunch that we pack or that we bring for them, that they, anytime you eat out, that you ask us ahead of time. Like, whatever, deciding on the parameters is totally up to your unique situation. But it's the same thing. Like, you can't go to your partner and say, I need more romance. They're going to be like, well, okay, what the fuck does that mean? Does that mean, oh, she must want me to initiate sex more? No, I was actually wanting you to plan date nights, right? Like you have to be quantifiable. I want you to plan a date night. Every other week we'll alternate. Let's do little notes around the house or here's what I would like. Like, could you text me once a day with something kind, with some emojis? Like you have to have that qualified way so that that person goes like, I'm either adhering to what they requested or not. And then you can follow through. And that's what's scary is... A lot of times we think if I just delivered it, if I just got it out, like I finally told my in-laws what I needed, you're kind of only halfway there. The hardest part comes with the enforcement because they will breach it. They will test you. They'll go, does Megan really mean it? Mm-hmm. Does Sarah really mean it? Does Jacqueline really mean it? Like, ah, probably not. No, let me just, oh, it, or they laugh it off or they, it's so uncomfortable for them to be talked to about something serious that they would rather disregard it. People, so people can't over- handle constructive criticism at all. And, and it, it also depends how it's delivered. I mean, that's a huge, huge piece of it. You know, if you came at them, and this is again, stuff that I teach, but if you came at them from a place of like, hey, you know, I know that this is probably really hard, that we're on two totally separate pages. And I imagine, like for my mom, I imagine that that is incredibly challenging to have a child that, that you, that isn't following what you had hoped for them. Like that's got to be so tough. Mm -hmm. So So please know that I'm never asking you to change that. All I'm asking is for some reciprocal respect. And here's what that looks like. This is my request. It would mean the world to me if you would stop asking me to come to any sort of church function. I applaud you honoring. You know what I'm saying? Like that's your delivery. That is very different than to be like, mom, I've asked you repeatedly not to ask me to come to church. You need to stop. 
what's that going to do? That's going to breed more defensiveness. Right. The more you can step into that calm, that vulnerability of like, listen, I'm sure this is really hard for you to hear too. And then you can do a skill that I use all the time, which is around stating what your intention is or what your intention is not. So to say something like, please know my intention is not to cause a riff or to cause you pain. My intention truly is around honoring who I am and really being true to what's happening for me. And, and uh, I really hope you can respect that. Yeah. Right. And all of that sounds really easy when you're listening on a podcast. So you've got to jot that shit down. You've got to prep. you got to. That communication piece is huge though. I always tell my clients like, wait until the motion isn't part of it. Because if you're angry and you're like, I hate it when you do that to me, they're going to take it. They're going to be defensive. They're not even going to listen to what you say. You just, they just shut down. But if you wait until you're not emotional anymore and you've calmed down a little bit, I mean, you may never get rid of the emotion. Emotions are good. There's no bad emotions. But if you wait until that, you're not super emotional and you say, Hey honey, I really don't enjoy it when you use that tone of voice with me. It makes me feel blank. I always say, I feel blank because of blank. You don't want to make it like you're attacking them. You want to make it like, this is something that, this is how I feel. People can't argue your feelings. Like that's, that's not something you can't say. I can't say, Amy, you don't feel like that. No, you don't because I'm not you. But if you come at them like angry and like you yelling, nobody's like, they're shut down. They're not taking it at all. And you know, there are some people who tell you your feelings are wrong. And they're wrong for saying that. <laughs> Right. And, and that is, and that's hard. That's hard when people go, you should not feel like that. You should not. But we do that in in good scenarios too. Like when we have that friend of ours who's freaking out and they're a total genius and you know, they're going to just kill their job interview and they're going to be so amazing. You tell them, stop worrying. Don't freak out. Don't feel your fucking feelings. Mm -hmm. So it just, as a whole, especially parents out there, please don't tell your children not to feel what they're feeling. Let them know that they are responsible for their actions. Yeah. Always. But it's always okay to feel. Like you said, it's, it is a method of our, how we consume information, of how we troubleshoot. You know, it's just there for us. Emotions are just messaging. But yeah, oh, boundaries. This can be rough. Yeah. Yeah, they, they can be really rough. And I want anybody listening is like Amy said earlier, it's, it is a process. You're not just going to jump in tomorrow after listening to this podcast, like all the boundaries are set. Done and done. Start with something small. Start with something small. You got an annoying coworker that's always leaving her shit on your desk. Be like, Hey, I really love working with you and I really enjoy this time together, but could you keep your stuff on your desk? It kind of, Mm -hmm. however you want to put it, maybe it's messing with your chi or however it might be. But this is, I mean, I feel very overwhelmed when I have all this stuff on my desk, you know, make it about you. Don't make it about them. Don't be like, Oh, Susan, I can't believe you left your shit on my desk again. God damn it. Susan. Susan's going to be like, damn it. Why is it always about Susan? (laughs) (laughs) Poor Sus. Every meme I see is like Susan. Or Karen. I do see Karen Karen. sometimes. Karen and Susan, those poor ladies. But you know, it's all, you start with something small. That's, that's, that, that's not as big as, you know, when you have to say to your parents, like you said, Amy is to say, mom, I'd really like you to stop it. Cause that's a big deal. Cause that's, that's something that's like, deal. this has been years, right? Years. And now finally you have to set that boundary. And sometimes I think what people 
don't realize is, is, is they're like, well, if I set a boundary now, I can't have a relationship with this person. No, it's really up to you how you proceed. I mean, if the person continues to violate your boundaries, it's up to you to make the decision. Like, how do I want to handle this? Like maybe it's having a little more distance or maybe I've had a few people in my life that I've completely had to cut ties with. Cause I'm like, I can't, you, you continue this. I can't no, mm-hmm. not good for my emotional health. Yeah. And you know, I see a lot of times people will do one of two things and in their perspective is one of either, I don't want to have this tough conversation. I am so uncomfortable about actually speaking up that my choices are be silent forever and just deal with it, which isn't working. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not working because you're pissed off all the time and you take it out on your kids and you're always stressed out. Or you know, you have this really tough conversation, which now means in your head, I've got to, I got to sever this conversation. I've got to sever. I got to run away. So we either think shut, silence yourself completely or just run away, ghost that person. Just, and it's obviously with family, it's usually the, the former that we choose. But in, I've seen a lot of people who feel as though the fear of actually speaking up is so great that they're like, I'd rather just kick that person out of my life. I'd rather just not mm-hmm. deal with it. And what I want you to understand is you are not flexing a muscle of self-worth. You are flexing a muscle of fear. So in it, <laughs> I remember my best friend asked me, she's like, I, I assume because you speak up about everything that it's totally easy for you. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, it's easier than it has been in the past. That's mm-hmm. for damn sure. It's so much more hardwired for sure. But if it's somebody who I'm really heavily invested in, like her, like my best friend, uh, like my, my husband, uh, some of my, my sister, some of my really close friends, my heart is like racing out of my throat, mm-hmm. you know, like, bleh! and I choose courage though. I choose courage. I'm scared but I know that's because it's just in that immediate moment. Right. And that's what we do. We have these micro moments over and over and over again, where we choose silence, Mm -hmm. which stacked on top of each other means my voice doesn't matter. So then we wonder why we don't have authentic friendships or we don't have rich work or we don't have amazing connection with our spouse. Uh, it's all down at that root level. And I, um, are you familiar with the, uh, top five regrets of the dying from Brony Ware? Have you ever seen this? All right. Well, she was a a hospice nurse, um, who essentially was, or a palliative care nurse who was helping people who were about to die kind of, um, pass peacefully, right? Like her job was to work with these people who were, uh, contending with death, essentially. And so she did a little experiment and started asking everybody what their biggest regrets were. There was five across the board, right? And there was uh, no bearing on socioeconomic conditions, on race, ethnicity, any of that. The number one regret was I wish I lived a life according to what I wanted instead of a life that everybody else wanted. Hallelujah. Across the board, you guys, this is deathbed stuff. This is that at that moment, you're not going, I'm so glad I never told, you know, my in-laws to stop giving my kid high fructose corn syrup. I'm so glad that I, you know, didn't never spoke up about how I felt about spirituality. I'm so glad that I made everybody else happy and I still have no idea who the fuck I am. Hope it works out in the next life. Right. What an empty life that is. Like what an empty life 
to yeah. to get to the end and be like, I never felt fulfilled. Else. I never felt fulfilled. I lived my life to make everybody else happy, you know, which can be fulfilling, but it can't. It, but if it's taking from you, it's not being fulfilling, right? So, oh, yeah, that's just, that's just sad. Like. It- you know, and I've lived that life. So, I mean, obviously I've, I've, I've been there where I kept quiet. I didn't speak my mind. I didn't say things. And now we're not talking about when you're scrolling through Facebook and you see your friend post something that you think is obnoxious. This is not what we're talking about. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good, uh, disclaimer. (laughs) Yes. Now there are times where you just need to say, it's not worth my time. Like, why do I even need to say anything about this? Because really in, at the end of the day, is it really going to matter if you get an argument on Facebook with somebody? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But this comes to, if somebody is messaging you spammy messages every like couple weeks, Hey, you want to come join my group? This is where you say, listen, Linda, no, I don't want to join your group. I'm not interested. I appreciate you thinking of me, but can you please stop sending me these messages? That's the kind of boundaries we're talking about. We're not talking about the random friend who posts something like that you find slightly offensive and you're like, you know what? Not worth my time. If we did that on social media, I mean, we would do nothing else, right? Right. Yeah. And I, that's a really, really great, um, disclaimer there because I think it, I've, I've definitely seen people where they take it to this extreme and they feel like, uh, they need to go walk up to somebody over there and tell them why their bumper sticker is offensive. That's not what I'm, right. you no, know, no, 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 no. I'm talking about like, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, I do community theater in, in my spare time and I was hanging out with some of the other fellow thespians and this, this one guy comes up and he's like laughing. He's laughing at a meme and that he wants to share with me and obviously get me to think it's just as hilarious. So I look at it and it's a disparaging meme specifically about a disabled, mentally and physically disabled child. And it was some, I can't even recall what it was. I was so offended. Like, and so he's showing it to me like, ha 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 ha. Isn't this so funny? Oh my God. So I had a choice in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. The easy way, the easy thing to do is to go, ha ha. Okay. And walk away. Mm -hmm. But that I knew that my silence would make me a liar in that situation. And it's not okay for me to pretend that I am complicit mm-hmm. or that I'm okay with that. That's not okay. So in, so what I did, I was like, Oh, uh, I actually don't find that funny. I'd really appreciate it if you didn't share that stuff with me anymore. And then I just walked away. So it's also not necessarily that a boundary means a full blown hard conversation. Sometimes it's like, you know what? I'm not really jiving with this conversation that you guys got going. I'm sure that's not your intent to offend anybody. I'm going to take myself out of this equation. Enjoy. You know, like it can be that simple, Mm -hmm. but, and I still have to push myself to do that, but I know that it's those small sequences over and over and over again that cement into my head that my voice matters because, okay. So think about, think about, uh, trying to get in shape, getting fit, right? It's like you, um, you know, you start on the process and you, you get really involved and you start making headway and you're all excited and then you derail. And it's like, oh shit, you can't just throw in the towel. You will lose the progression. You have to maintain that. You have to right. continue to practice and to go over it over and over. And sometimes it's messy. Sometimes I will 
put a messy disclaimer at the beginning and saying, you know what, I have no idea how this is going to come out. I please know I'm not trying to be a fun. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I have got to get some stuff out and just know I'm having a really hard time working through this. <laughs> so here's my request. Will you just let me, let me get it all out. Let me finish. And then I just, I care about you so much. And, you know, depending on whatever the scenario is, yeah. right. You can own that. You can own that piece. Well, Amy, this has been a fantastic conversation, but we need to wrap up the podcast. If there's yep. one thing or a overall encompassing thing you want to leave the inspired women audience with, what would you want them to know? Ooh, I, there's a couple of things, but first yep. I, I really want to underline, I think we've kind of danced around this a little bit is that this is a journey. You never arrive. You mm -hmm. never get to a place where you're done. So if you think that I am going to just magically arrive, it's not that. It's a new maintenance mode. It's a new way to contend with life. It's not that you don't experience hardship anymore. It's that you contend with hardship differently from a powerful, courageous place. So please don't think like, I've got to get to Megan status or I've got to get to Amy status or I've got to get, there's no place to get to. It is a constant evolution, a constant improvement. Yeah. We won't even be there by the time you reach there anyway. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. So the other piece of that, the other addendum to that is compassion mm -hmm. to be compassionate with yourself. Any small step that you take is a step in the right direction. You have to take the small steps to get down the road. You have to take them. So do not discount your small wins. Even things like you know, declining a second date that you don't want or sending food back, faking orgasms. All of those things are like right. small, small things that you can take, take a little step telling Is Karen what's up about her cubicle. worth it anyways? I mean, who wants to live with like that? Liar, liar, <laughs> liar. Yes. Yeah. All right. And men, it's time, it's time for men to start dealing with that shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Learn what you need to do down there and we can live happily ever after. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thanks for having me, Megan. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Amy. And real quick, what is the name of your podcast? Because they probably heard like, oh, Amy has a podcast too. I love podcasts. How can I add Amy's podcast to my list? Yeah, sure. So we are just called The Joy Junkie Show. Um, and you can kind of find everything out about me over at thejoyjunkie.com. Uh, I have, depending on some little things behind the scenes, my free offer for all of you guys might change right now. It's a workbook. It may actually be a, a video training at the time. Either way, it'll be free. It'll be a way for you to connect with me a little bit deeper and get some more help around this stuff. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspired Women podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family, and join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.